I like to think of the way I think about business and systems of delivery and collaboration in that way. Just use what works, discard the rest, and, and apply it to a very specific context to solve the problems that are in front of you. Hey, this is Dave Pryor. Welcome to Leading Agile Sound Notes. I have Brandon Dudley here. Brandon, thank you for joining the podcast today. Thanks for having me, Dave. I appreciate it. So four months in, senior consultant. What kind of work yeah. are you doing at Leading Agile right now? Yeah, I'm, I'm, I'm a consultant um, on one of, our, uh, one of our engagements, and I am um, working with kind of what we would call kind of integration team. So kind of teams that at the portfolio level and at the kind of the program tier layer, trying to, uh, trying to help our clients uh, kind of meet their strategic goals. Okay. So when you're, before we get into the topic of the podcast, just a quick question, when you're talking about the portfolio level, Mm -hmm. um, you're engaged, I'm assuming at, at that point in helping senior leadership find a way to make sure that what they're doing strategically can that the company is is set up in a way that can support that and still move towards agile. Yeah. I mean, really what it is is helping them build that rational system of delivery where demand comes in at one layer at one level, it gets uh, uh, aligned to strategic initiatives. It gets decomposed, prioritized and shepherded through the system and, and kind of collaborate and the collaboration happens at the other level. So all the way down to the delivery team and and, and feedback is fed back up. So that's kind of what, I'm engaged in it right now. Cool. All right. Thank you. So for those of you who've been listening and don't know why we're doing the podcast, we'll get into that now. <laughs> usually, yeah. I, yeah, I usually start out by saying we're going to talk about this, but I don't know. I might be off my game today. Um, <laughs> so you come from a fairly traditional background. I also have a fairly traditional background. And we wanted to, we're going to kind of explore that a little bit and the journey that you went through to get to the work that you're doing now. And part of this, mm-hmm. I think, I'm, I'm thinking of it as part of it is to you know, maybe offer some tips and suggestions to folks who are coming out of a more traditional background, trying to find their way to Agile, um, can't get past some of the roadblocks along the way or some of the thinking that they're stuck in, or just trying mm-hmm. to find a better way to let go. Yeah. Um, so now are you somebody who just naturally, like Michael Fortunato said, he saw Agile and it was like the light fell from the sky. Like, are you that guy? Yeah, I'm actually not that guy. Okay, good. I'm not that guy either. So what? Yeah. tell us about your background and kind of what happened. Yeah, so I kind of I kind of came from a traditional kind of PMI Pembok waterfall background, and I cut my teeth and you know I started out as a as a project manager, and then I moved into product management and portfolio management, and and then I started building uh, you know uh, product development practices and systems of delivery, and then I was engaged in a few kind of large scale or leading a few large scale kind of organizational change initiatives, and uh, yeah. You know, I'd like to think I had a, I had a lot of success, so I didn't have like the dissonance that a lot of agilists have, where they kind of feel like, hey, there's just got to be a better way. You know, so I kind of came to my agile journey. I don't know, mid to late 2000s, and I didn't even really know that there was this big kind of, I call it a methodology war between yeah. water. I, I didn't even know that. I kind of just said, hey, I like to here- think of it as a religious war, but yeah, yeah we can go methodology. <laughs> Exactly. Right. And so I didn't even know that existed. I also cut my teeth in and around the auto industry in Detroit, you know, so it was product development in the auto industry. So it was software, hardware, cyber mechanical, electromechanical. Okay. In, in an industry that is struggling. In a, town, in a town yeah. that is struggling. 
Yeah, yeah, exactly. And so there, there was a lot of a burning platform to kind of do things better. But what's funny is a lot of like kind of the lean practices, and everybody knows this, came from like the Toyota production system and kind of came from the auto industry. So it almost felt like a very natural transition for me. So like the concepts that when I kind of got introduced to Agile, they just already made sense, kind of. So I just kind of thought, hey, oh, here's another thing and some really interesting approaches and ways of thinking about working that I can incorporate into the things that I'm, that I'm doing to kind of use the pieces that work really well. And okay. So, I don't know if that makes sense. It's just that it I does. Didn't... I have questions, though. Absolutely. Go ahead. All right. So you were working on projects, and they were not. I mean, most. I, I worked on a lot of disastrous projects, but it sounds like yours kind of went okay, or yeah. were successful. Um, yeah. So there's not like this driving itch to find a better answer. You just kind of happened upon agile. But even if you come to it and you're like, this, this seems to make sense. Yeah. There's a whole lot to the job of being a project manager or, you know, I would sure. say a lot of managers that they, they enjoy the job because they like the feeling of being in control or being in charge of something. Um, yeah. They like the fact that through their own sheer will and brute force, they can make other people do things and deliver stuff. And, and I'm saying it kind of in a negative manner, but, but there's a lot to be said for somebody who can just bend the universe with their own hands yeah. because they wanted yeah. to. Um, how, how was it for you stepping away from that kind of environment? Cause even if you're not the controlling guy, that's a hard thing to, to not have. Yeah. Okay. So I'll, I'll try to answer that this way. First, I'll say this. So what attracted me to kind of, let's say traditional project management back in the day, it wasn't really that it was more, I was really interested in, and this is honest to God, cause I actually, I, it wasn't like an accidental thing for me. I actually had a master's degree in it. So I kind of intentionally went into it. So okay. like, yeah, which is probably different from a lot of, they used to call it the accidental profession because you kind of fell into it, but no, I, I like sought it, sought out, sought it out. So it was like, how do, how do human beings come up with um, systems that, that, that kind of make sense of very complicated work and bring okay. those things together? Like how do we deliver, like how does one organize the Olympics or how does one launch a rocket ship into space? It was like, how do we, how do we as human beings like come together and, 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 and bring to fruition like really complex work streams to kind of, you know, bring interesting things to the world. So that's yeah. kind of what brought me to it. So I was always interested in like, how do I, how do I collaborate with people and create these systems that allow for that? And so that's kind of what drew me to it. And that's why it wasn't really that much of a, of a transition for me, if that makes sense. Okay. Yeah. So, so your, your kind of view on managing work or managing organizations is to create an environment that allows people to do their best work and to thrive. Exactly. Yeah. How do we reduce the friction? And, and I'll say it another way too. I think I wasn't even able to articulate this until I kind of started with leading agile. I think so I kind of filled in these blanks. I think the things that were working for me, were foundational kind of first principle things that work in any system. And it's yeah. like the idea of kind of progressive elaboration, learning more in month two than you knew in month one, you know, rolling wave planning and kind of kind of lear introducing learning and unlocking learnings, keeping your customers close, um, making, putting feedback loops in so you can kind of keep learning and, and, and expecting and adapting. Like I was doing that within the confines of what I knew, what's the systems I knew at that time. Yeah. But, you know, you know what I mean? And so like that, it felt like a natural kind of thing. And I just almost, kind of, yeah. 
Uh, <laughs> I was just when you were talking about it, I'm so, I was thinking like how you know how you're playing music like one four five sounds like a great rock song because whenever yeah. anybody figures that out, it's a great rock song. Right. We all right, figured yeah. it out, but we are all doing the same thing. So you were doing things that came naturally that are in alignment with Agile. Things that made sense to me about the way human beings should be collaborating and doing work, right? Okay. And, and having success in it. And, and, you know, we were talking in the, well, maybe we'll get there later. I was going to say, we were talking in the pre-roll about kind of how this, this idea of, of using the things that work and, yeah. and, and, and applying them to a specific situation. Segway, take us there, because I was going to go there in a second anyway. Tell them the story. Yeah, yeah okay. So one of the things <laughs> I'm really... <laughs> we prepped for the podcast before we started recording. <laughs> Believe it or not, right? So, um, yeah, so one of the things I'm into outside of work is like mixed martial arts, right? And kind of, it's just a, one of my favorite sports. It's just really fascinating. And I think like it, the discipline in it, and, and it's just, it's just really interesting and it's fun. And it's, uh, you know, and I, you know, I practice it and I watch it. And it, we were talking before the podcast about one of the kind of visionaries in mixed martial arts, even pre-mixed martial arts. So pre-UFC was Bruce Lee. And he, he kind of had this idea of, um, he started to be, he was controversial because he started to become style agnostic and he would say, and I'm going to butcher his quote, but I'm paraphrasing. He essentially said, I just want to, you know, take all of these styles that work in very specific contexts to solve very specific combat problems. And I want to use what works and discard the rest. So use what works, discard the rest and be, be method or style agnostic and, and be thoughtful in the way that I, I kind of apply my trade. And, and, I, I like to think of the way I think about business and systems of delivery and collaboration in that way. Just use what works, discard the rest, and and apply it to a very specific context to solve the problems that are in front of you. So that's the way I thought of it. Okay. So they're all just tools. And I mean, that's hopefully, I don't know, I guess I feel like the people that are more, maybe maybe the ones that have kind of come from Waterfall and found Agile and then reconcile with their past. Like to me, they're all just tools. There's some waterfall stuff I want to use when I'm doing agile. And you know, some places should just do waterfall and they're just tools. They're as good as yeah. they use them. Yeah. Yeah. I agree. And you know, one of the, one of the most interesting conversations that I've heard on this podcast with like you and you and Mike Kotmar, you, you guys had a, um, a, an agile industrial complex and then you had like a post agile conversation. Right. Yeah. And it was like, is agile a bubble? Like what's the next thing? And, you know, and, and what you guys kind of came to is like, yes, it probably, there probably will be something after it, but there are first principles and foundational things that just work. Like the idea that we can work from a common backlog that's clearly understood, have cross-functional teams that have everything they need to deliver, that can work toward, you know, these kinds of things. Like these things will just work. Whatever package you wrap them in, they'll work. You know, in my mind, that feels like using what works and discarding the rest, right? As opposed to trying to jam you know, whether it's scrum or safe or whatever these things are, try to jam them into every context without being thoughtful about it. And so I'm really fascinated about, you know, if it's not agile, if it's not waterfall, it might be lean six Sigma or TQM or any of these other things that, you know, have use in certain situations. Um, And because we're in the business of like solving these really complicated client problems, we almost have to be thoughtful and, and the approaches that we use to make sure that we're solving for the right things. So it's, it's yeah, and that, you're, and that you're hearing the right problem too, because it's easy yeah. to locked into that cycle of you know I only see one problem everywhere I go. Yeah, I mean, like yeah, exactly. So I want to go in sort of a weird 
direction. So you, you mentioned the, the mixed martial arts thing. Um, how does that practice or those practices, if you're you know, studying different styles, how do those practices influence the work that you do, either working with teams or working with organizations? Like what are, what are things you bring from that into your work that like, maybe if I don't know anything about martial arts, this is a piece I just don't have. So a couple of things come to mind. One of them is another kind of famous, I guess, fighting quote, right? So for, if you're keeping track at home, this is the second fighting quote. Here. <laughs> so, ding, ding. Um, exactly, right? So Mike Tyson has a really famous famous quote, but I think people think of it the wrong way. Like he has this quote where he says, Every, everyone has a plan until they get punched in the face. Or right? their ear gets bit off. Whoops. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. Sorry. <laughs> right. Yeah. But, but I think people take that as like, so, so therefore there's no need for a plan. Right. And I think what he means is the plan in boxing, like they call it the sweet science, right? The, the plan in boxing is you still have to train, you still have to scout your opponent. You still have to think about what your strategy is going into. You, you still have a plan, but the idea is that you have to be able to adjust inspect and, and adapt. Right. And a lot of fighting is about that. Like a lot of fighting is coming in with an idea of kind of what might work. And, 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 you know, being able to call your shots and understanding kind of where you want to go and having a strategy, but it, you also need to be nimble enough and flexible enough to pivot in the moment um, to be able to use other tools that may work in that situation. So, I mean, I always think of like martial arts and fighting in that way. Like, it's kind of like you go in with a plan, but you absolutely know that something is going to happen when you hit the ground or when you're in a fight that, that that's going to change the way you need to, execute in that moment and being able to have your wits about you to be able to pivot in that way. I definitely think about those things in the work we do here and the work I did even before I got here. That's the first thing. Okay. Um, so I want to, I want to ask you a question about this. Is that okay? Yeah. absolutely. And I, I think I can probably even tie it back to the bleeding agile stuff in the end, but um, anytime you get into the ring, you're going to be in a fight. I mean, I'm not somebody that I, I, I don't fight. I'm like, I'm not <laughs> I'm yeah, total, yeah. total mental shutdown in a situation like that. I can't yeah. process. But you, you, you know how to do that. So you know how to process on the fly, and you can process that quickly, and you can notice things happening. And even though it's a threat, you can still react to it. Mm -hmm. um, but you said, you know, you walk in there knowing that stuff's going to go sideways. So yeah. that's got to create a fair amount of anxiety. And I'm wondering, like most people, if you're doing any kind of if you're doing traditional project management, you go to work every day knowing that 70% of what you do is going to lead to failure. Um, we get all those tools and techniques to try to make ourselves feel more confident. But how do you take that? You know, what is, what is it about being in the ring that helps you survive that fear? And how does that happen, carry over into work? Yeah, it's funny because it it's funny you, you position it that way because I don't, I don't think of it that way. Like, I think of it as not like anxiety. It feels freeing to me. Like, it feels like being able to plan in uncertainty, but knowing that going in, you're going to have to make some decisions on the ground, right? And so okay. I guess what I'm saying is like, there's comfort in the plan in that you have something, some, some structural box that you can use to kind of, uh, you know, kind of rally around how you're going to deliver whatever you're working on. But to me, it feels freeing to know that you, you, you need to be comfortable enough planning and enough uncertainties, but flexible enough to give yourself the opportunity to come in, unlock some learnings, introduce feedback into the system, and then kind of orient yourself and then come up with what your next move will be. So I think that's freeing, not, not, not anxiety-inducing, but I can understand why people would think it. Well, do you, so you, 
I'm wondering how much the structure plays a part of it. Like, you know, in, on a scrum project, I know things are going to go wrong. And I'm not nervous about that because I have a yeah. process to carry me through. With yeah. traditional project management, it's just experience and hard knocks. So like, yeah, bring me, bring me whatever mess you have. I'm going to figure this out. Yeah. But, but that, then I was going to say, I mean, that's where I think some of those kind of first principle things that just seem to work. You know, if you keep your customers close, yeah. right? And, and you kind of are, are you're okay understanding the things that are going to change going into it. And you kind of try to, you know, bite these things off in batch sizes that allow you to kind of iterate. Yeah. I think that works no matter what you're doing. Right. Yeah. So, that's yeah. 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 It's like one, four, five. I think that no matter where you are and what's going on, if you have a stable teams, a good backlog and you can deliver, if you yeah. can't do any of those things, you're screwed no matter what. Yeah. I mean, the, the fallacy is thinking that your plan is the end all be all. And then you get punched in the face and you yeah. just don't know what to do after that. So, yeah. Okay. So yeah. you had a plan. You wanted to be a project manager. Yep. And then. Yep. Yeah. Um, yeah. So then I kind of just progressed to kind of, you know, higher degrees of influence. But even when I was just working on individual projects, I was always thinking about, I was always systems thinking, like, how do we make this system better? Like, how do we, how do we operate better? How do we deliver more value to, you know, our end customers and whatnot? So okay. I started being involved in like portfolio management things and like large scale product development system things. And, and I, I don't know, man, I just kind of, kind of got interested and it just feels like there seems to be a better way to work. Right. You know, so I started just exploring ways to collaborate and ways to deliver work that were just more enjoyable, more interesting, uh, more efficient, you know, that kind of thing. And and that's when I started kind of exploring, OK, what you know, what is this agile thing? But again, when I came to it, I, I didn't even know there was this this war <laughs> between yeah. the two. How many years in were you before you decided like you just talked about it being more interesting and you were talking about like you're trying to find a way for it to be fun. How long into your career as a project manager or in that space were you before it occurred to you that it could be fun and it could be a place where you could keep learning and not just surviving? Um, I don't know, maybe six, seven, something like that. Okay. Around that time. And, and by the way, I was, I was having fun at points, right? But I had dissonance because I felt like I just thought there was just a better way of human beings kind of coming together and collaborating. And I didn't know what that meant, but I, I just thought that there's something something to explore there and so that's okay. kind of what i started to do yeah so you didn't necessarily know there was an agile way but you knew the way that you had was not really doing what you needed to do yeah in so many i think so i think so okay okay yeah and so how did you end up moving into agile coaching right so kind of fast forward so i kind of transitioned from kind of portfolio mag- management product management that kind of stuff to more large-scale organizational change initiatives one other thing i should insert into this conversation that makes sense is so all of the stuff that i was doing i always worked for like really large companies so uh, multi-billion market cap companies like really so really big companies with, why is yeah. that important why is that important it's important because i think the scale of the change that you're trying to enact okay there's an appreciation for that, that you get in doing that. So I was doing this work with these teams that were global across borders, thousands and thousands of people. And so I I became interested in, in change management. So I was like, how do you, how do people collaborate? And then how do you scale change across really large organizations? And then I kind of, I had some success in that, but varying degrees at that. And then I kind of said, I need to, I want to be somewhere 
where I can explore what that might look like, where I can help organizations do that kind of work, but do it from uh, a position where kind of where I'm not in the organization. I'm kind of an outsider being objective. And um, by that time, I had all my learnings from the PMI days. I had already started to incorporate a lot of agile practices. We had, I stood up a bunch of agile teams, some, some agile systems of delivery. Um, I'm now working on really large scale organizational change management. I worked on a couple of scaling agile projects and that kind of thing and initiatives. And I was like, you know what, this is a bigger problem. And I don't think that even in the agile community, when we think about the way that we scale, I didn't think we were solving it and positioning it the right way. And so I said, but I couldn't articulate why I didn't, I just knew that there was something missing. And so I just started looking for people who had or organizations or groups of people that had a point of view about how to think about these things. And then that's when I saw some of our talks and that's kind of how I engaged with, with the leading agile and kind of what led me to where I am now. Okay. I think there's also been an evolution, you know, this is something Mike talks about a lot in that the basics of agile, they're kind of sorted, you know I mean? It's not yeah. like, you know, the S it's not like brand new techniques for estimation every day, but, yeah. but how to drive or create, um, the possibility of change in a larger company. Yeah. That's something, that's a question that's still fairly new because for a while it was just about the teams and that's not enough. Right. right. No, exactly. More. And that's what was interesting about this work and kind of what we do and our, and our point of view is that I was hearing a lot of, uh, I guess the way I would say it is there was, a, there was this, there's these really big organizations that have all these dependencies all of these constraints and it's kind of like they want to go from that to kind of being kind of lean startup, very nimble, you know, invest to learn that kind of stuff. But there was no map of how to get there. It was just kind of, you will come in, we'll show you a bunch of stuff and then you somehow self-organize into that. And I, I couldn't articulate why that just didn't make any sense. Okay. But I, knew, I knew there was something missing. There's a big leap there. Yeah. 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 So, okay. Yeah. And, our point of view resonated with me. And that's, that's kind of why I said, okay, this seems like a way to think about solving these problems for, for large organizations. Okay. All of the stuff that I talked about doing was all inside as an employee in these, these really large companies. So I was always an internal change agent. And so my, my pivot, if there is one is just moving out of that and taking a step back and saying, I think I can enact change on a grander scale and, 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 and more effectively as a part, as a consultant coming in and helping these organizations, um, you know, on the ground that way into a so, consultant role. So. so what is that? That's got to be kind of a very different headspace. I mean, you basically join the enemy's camp. <laughs> I mean, not to be jaded about it, but a lot of people would look at it that way. Like the consultants are there to just burrow into the carpet and you went from being the client to the consultant. Right. Yeah. Yeah. But you know, it's fun. I didn't, I didn't really have a lot of negative experiences for the consultants that I hired or that I worked with. I just okay. didn't have that kind of a negative experience. I mean, so I, I was just kind of like, I mean, I mean, maybe, I don't know, maybe I'm the exception. I'm not sure, but I, I, I always thought that what consultants brought to the table was like this wealth of knowledge across different clients and across industries and different ways to think about the problems. And, and when partnered with the client, it helps them understand the very specific context of the, of the things that are important to them. That partnership, when you partner well, that's how you solve the problems for the organization. Like it can't be, you know, I've seen consultants fail, at least that I worked with in the past where they kind of had this, maybe this ties in something we were talking earlier. They had this one size fits all kind yeah, of one, one way. Size, 
yeah, one size fits most, but not snugly or whatever, right? Where they come in and it's just like, and then they struggle because they kind of try to jam that into a context that doesn't warrant it. And uh, I didn't want to be that guy. Okay. Right? So, I mean, that kind of, that's the way I think about the work that we do now. It's like you partner with your client, you understand what moves the needle for them. Yeah. You take our point of view and our model and you work with them to figure out, okay, how do we solve the problems that you're looking for? Like we have a very specific point of view about what we think works. But these are just kind of, you know, like Mike likes to call it like a reference architecture. These are things that patterns that we've seen that are successful, but we have to be intentional and thoughtful about the way that we apply them to their situation. So that's, that's kind of the way I think about it. And that's what drew me to it. So the pivot is just that it's just moving from trying to be an internal change agent at very large organizations to kind of being an external change agent. Okay, cool. Um, when you went through this transformation from being somebody who's very waterfall and as somebody who's, you know, fully given to agile, um, were there any like really difficult things for you to get past, like either a, a concept or an idea or some part of it where you were just, it was like a wall for a long time or maybe still is. Uh, um, yes and no. So I, 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 so two things, like I never thought of myself as like a pure waterfall guy. And then I don't even think of myself as a pure agilist. Now I think of myself as like a pragmatic agilist, right? The only thing that I thought was difficult was, what I've seen is it's more like the bastardization of some of these concepts that, that give them a bad name. Um, it's kind of like, you know, the things that worked at one point, you know, people kind of take them as gospel and then they, and they apply them to every situation and they, and they, don't, they don't apply them in the, in the way that you know, maybe the creators of these approaches kind of thought of them. Like for instance, the thought that I struggle with this thought that teams should always be allowed to kind of self-organize themselves in every way. Because I always said, like, well, the reality in the organizations I was coming from is that we have milestones and we have deliveries yeah. to market and we have things that we have to consider. And, you know, it's hard to like, you know, teams have to like demonstrate the trust to be able to say that they can completely organize and, and that kind of thing. And if, you, and if you don't have that trust, it's very difficult to kind of for an organization the size of some of our clients and where I was coming from that's just chaos. Like, yeah. You know what I mean? And I struggled with that at first and, and trying to think about how to reconcile that with not like these rigid systems of, 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 of delivery, but more like, how do we, how do we collaborate to allow them the autonomy to solve the, the how, right. But still right. being able to kind of reach kind of our, our goals. Like, I mean, most of these organizations just, I mean, it is what it is. I mean, they have deliveries to their to their customers they have milestones they have things that they have to meet and when you start you know these teams of teams of teams yeah you need people kind of working in one direction so it's kind of trying to how to reconcile it i struggled with that at first and it was i was like it was kind of like is this really agile or is this well that's the thing it seems like very controlled agile which seems like it's not agile but at the same time it might work a lot better <laughs> you know yeah i mean not only, yeah not only that but you know, I guess our point of view kind of is like, you have to, there are steps to get to be as agile as you want. Like, I mean, there are just organizational things that are going to be impediments that are going to be in your way that until you either change them or break them down, structural things, um, you, you're not going to be as agile as you want to be. And so that's probably what resonated with me most is like, it ends up being a journey towards being as agile as you need to be. And at first it might be heavier do you yeah. think real a true kind of agile practice should be, but that's just, that's what you have to do to get to where you want to ultimately be. 
And so, but don't you think with this or with anything else, whether it's agile or martial arts or project management, the more it's hard, very hard in the beginning. It's very hard to get started, and years down the road, it's hard in a completely different way. But it never stops being hard. It, Not no, in a bad way, but in a good way. I have this phrase that <laughs> this might make me sound horrible, right? But when I come into anything new, when I came into this job, when I come into uh, when I come into martial arts, when I come into anything, I always think like I want to know everything all at once, right? So I feel like, yeah. and I feel confident that I'm gonna eventually get there. But I always feel like I feel jealous of my future self. Like I can't wait until this is easy. <laughs> right? Like I can't wait until this is easy. But then the secret is it's never easy. It's, it's just never harder easy. Right? Yeah. And it's, it's almost like the, the more you learn, the more problems you unlock, and 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 and, and it's hard in a different way. Yeah, <laughs> so. I think that future self is important. There was something I read one time about somebody who said that they work out. They never want to work out. They always work out as a present to their future self. There you go. Yeah, <laughs> I guess that's the way I think of it. Is like okay, it, like you were saying. I mean, like the more you know. It just becomes hard in a different way. You're just like, oh shit! Look at all I don't know now. That's worse. Exactly. Yeah. yeah. Um, okay, I have one more question for you. Maybe two, but definitely one. And it's yeah. you didn't prep this, so this is kind of off topic. Um, kind of going back to the martial arts thing. One of the things that I studied for a long time as somebody who's trying to get better at the craft of either working with teams or coaching or managing troubled projects or teaching is studying how people respond in high stress situations. So like I did a lot of study of um, pitchers, like major league baseball pitchers, because that is such an incredibly stressful job and people have it at such young, usually they're so young when they have it. Um, and the whole, everyone's watching them. Like how do you keep it together and find your space in that, in that moment when you've got to throw the ball and everyone's paying attention and the whole game hinges on you? Um, and for me, like all the, all the things that I found there, I brought back to project management because whether I'm in a client and the client's screaming at me or the project's totally off the rails or I don't know what to do in this moment or that moment, got some stressed out employee freaking out, whatever it is, I need to find my space. So how do you do that when you're in the ring and how do you do that when you're working with clients? Yeah, I think there's, I think there's like a, there's a fighter pilot way of thinking about you know, when they engage in, in combat, they call it an oodle loop. Right? loop. Well, yeah, that's yeah. what, yeah. that's Jeff Sutherland and Scrum, yeah. Yeah, there you go, yeah. And so, yeah, it's kind of that. It's kind of, what is it? It's like, it's, it's observe, of, orient, decide, yeah. act. Yeah, it, so it's, it's usually that. I mean, and before I even knew what an oodle loop was, that's essentially what what I would do in, you know, in, in coaching or in business or, or if, if you're doing martial arts or whatever it may be, is it's kind of, you almost have to have that kind of moment of, 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 orientation like okay what's going on here let me let me be thoughtful about this like we're all emotional we're human beings i'd like to think i'm fairly emotional emotionally intelligent but some days are just hard man <laughs> like they're just hard yeah like some days you're getting punched in the face harder than other days and so it's it's it i think for me what works is just being thoughtful that okay this is just one of those times where that's happening and i've it's kind of um orienting myself and then deciding what's my next best move best move and sometimes i just need to take a step back i mean i'm okay saying i don't know in a situation i mean a lot of times you know you know we rush to have all the answers but sometimes i'm just like you know i don't know let me think about that and let me let me give you a more thoughtful response and that's helped me a lot i mean sometimes it makes makes you seem a little bit more vulnerable 
and also it gives me the time to kind of chew on what's going on and, and kind of come back with a with a with an effect better answer yeah. yeah i try never to like react right away and, and if you want to relate that to fighting what happens is people will get into like uh you'll see this in like boxing or you'll see this in like mixed martial ufc or something is they'll go into it thinking that they're going to box and then it turns into a brawl because right. somebody somebody hit them you know the wrong way or took a dirty shot or yeah. something and, and, and then they just start brawling and they forget about their game plan and everything goes out the window when you know they stop listening to the corner and that kind of things when really had they taken a second to kind of adjust think about what's happening and give themselves a beat or two to kind of reflect on maybe what their next action should be they might have been in a better situation and you know people lose that way they, and this they, happens in business all the time i mean arguably it's happening in politics right now you know <laughs> yeah I'm not i mean without that. going yeah i don't want to go into it but i mean but everybody is like locked in yeah you know? Um, yeah. I'm, there's a thing about bullfighting, um, that I ran across one time where it, I'm just looking at this quote right now, uh, talking about the bull when during its walks in the field, a bull runs into a presumed enemy. It merely turns around and ret retreats to its currencia, which is a spot where it feels safe. And I think yeah. Yeah. having, you have to have, you know, like you have to, which I, I would imagine if somebody was punching me in the face, I don't think I'd be very good at finding that. It's actually it's actually more cathartic than you would think. But okay. <laughs> <laughs> I'll take your word for it. So yeah. if you had to give advice to somebody who is trying to kind of break free of traditional way of thinking, let's say their company's going through agile transformation. Let's say it's one of our clients and they're, you know, working their way out of the waterfall trying to get to base camp one. Um what kind of advice or support would you offer to them? Um, that's a good question. So I think, um, interesting. What kind of advice would I give them? What's the best kind of advice I would give them? One, I think understanding um, that it's going to be hard, right? And it's kind of a journey. I mean, these kinds of things are hard. I mean, this is lifting up really heavy uh, objects and impediments that have been in place probably in some places for decades, right? Um, and allowing yourself to have those days where it feels like this is this is more than I think I can I can overcome. But then kind of maybe doing what we said. I mean, you, you kind of got to take a breath and kind of come back and 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 enjoy kind of you know those wins along the way. Kind of you know our our model and our approach is we want to tie these to outcomes that you can kind of see along the way. And, and and understand that it's going to be a journey, but it doesn't have to be. I mean, we kind of bite this off a little, a chunk at a time and appreciate, you know, appreciate the, 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 the chunks of transformation that we have at a time, as opposed to trying to um, be jealous of your future self and try to speed to the end. Yeah. I, mean, I think that, you know, and, and, and yeah, it's going to be hard. And I mean, I mean, it's, it's, it's hard. I mean, the kind of work we do, I mean, we get into it because we want to solve complex problems and our clients call us because they have complex problems. And, um, and it's just kind of digging out of that a bit at a time and appreciating those, those small wins and being okay with being frustrated, but also um, celebrating each of those milestones as you go, I think. Yeah. So it's, kind of, it's okay to be frustrated. It's okay to maybe take a, you know, fall down a little bit, but, you know, we, you know, we try to, we try to get ahead of it and tell, Hey, we're going to pull these levers and you're going to see some vibration here. So part of what we try to do is, is, is kind of like call our shot, like, when yeah. we do, it's going to be hard here. And here's where you'll feel your pain. And it's okay to feel that pain. 
but um, understand that we're going to get through it. And, 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 and I think that helps. And then when it happens, it doesn't mean that it's not painful, but they at least appreciate that we called it out. Yeah. <laughs> All I can think about is the toenails falling out with the marathon training, um, which is how that, how that always shows up. So, all right. Um, you, guys, you guys always talk about you guys always talk about the toenails falling out and the, and the and fat the, guy on the couch. Yeah, yeah, all right, last, very last question. Okay, you got time for one more? Yeah, sure. Okay, um, you just talked about the bad days. So you're in transformation. Mm-hmm. I'm let's say I'm somebody. I'm some manager at a company, and there's been a couple of good days, but we just had one that was this sucks. I don't. This is awful. What do you do for you when you have those days? Because people that we're helping, they need a way to, you know, scrape themselves up off the sidewalk every once in a while. So what do you do to re-inspire yourself when you get worn out? Sometimes I just need to to take a step away. And sometimes, I mean, for me personally, I think it is good to have interest outside of work. That just helps. I mean, I, I mean, that's kind of one of those things. I mean, for me, uh, you know, I'll, I'll go to the gym and I'll, you know, I'll, I'll punch somebody in the face or get punched in the face. And that, works. that works for me. That works for me, right? But at the gym, not at work. Absolutely at the gym, right? Absolutely. You know what's funny? I think some of the most respectful, polite people are people that like a fighting gym. It's weird. It doesn't sound like that's the case because there's no secrets there. It's like you're you're good and I can beat you or I can't, right? And we get better together. I actually learn a lot about kind of teamwork and collaboration and building people up and being able to defer to people who are better you than you in other areas to kind of get the collective better. I learn a lot from from the gym just in that way. And so, so the first thing is, I mean, to answer you, to get back to your question, it's kind of get away from it a little bit. And then also I take comfort in, I, I take comfort in knowing that, you know, there's, there's, there's knowing that I've overcome kind of difficult things in the past and just say, listen, um, this is going to be difficult. I need to be thoughtful about the way that we think about solving these problems, but I always have to remember myself, like, you know, this is what I chose to do. I mean, this is what interests me. This is what kind of gets me out of bed in the morning. Yeah. And the price you pay for that is a couple of bad days sometimes, but the good days are just really, really good when you get it right. Yeah. And so it's kind of reminding yourself about what those good days feel like too. That helps. Cool. So, awesome, man. Yeah. Thank you. This was great. Um, so what if people want to get in touch with you, if they have more questions, what's the best way to go about doing that? Um, we were kind of joking, like, I'm, I'm kind of devoid of a lot of social media. I kind of disconnected, but I'm on LinkedIn. Well, hold on. Let, let, hold on. Let's say that in a slightly healthier way. You have made a choice to, <laughs> to, to, to not engage in a lot of that stuff, which yeah. a lot of people are slowly learning. It's, it's not an incredibly healthy thing for a lot of people. But you've yeah, chosen you know, to prioritize other aspects of your life, and that's a good choice. Yeah, that's true. I'm not on like a crusade against social media or anything. It's just for me a few years ago at that time, I felt it was just healthier in my life to kind of um, engage with the people that are interesting to me or that I care about in a different way. And so I just, I kind of just disengaged from social media. So you talk to people, you're one of those people. I I actually pick up the phone. I visit visit people. Okay. (laughs) There you go. Yeah. Yeah, no, I don't know. So, I mean, I think um, probably through LinkedIn is the best way to kind of reach me probably at this point. Okay, cool. So, uh, but I, I'll put up your, your work page too. And if they want to email you, they'll be able to find that on, on your page on the Leading Agile site. But Brandon, thank you very much for doing this. This was great stuff. It was, it was fun. It was my pleasure, Dave. 